Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Talking About Music with Friends. My name is Brendan Michael Brady. I'm Blake Allen Harms, and this week we welcome... Keen Kelly Howell. Keen Howell, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> we are honored. Keaton said that he listens, so this uh, hopefully this will be a good, good episode. Yes, Our first uh, listener <laughs> on <yeah>. the show. <laughs> definite, definite friend of the show. Um, I've been friends with Keaton a long time, like four years now at this point. Yeah. Um, so it's it's good to have you on. Uh, we we're having Keaton on to talk about the Bleachers album. Uh, Strange Desire. I believe it's the first Bleachers album put out in 2014 by uh, Mr. Jack Antonoff and whoever else is in the band. Um, Keaton, I'm sure, will tell us uh, about his relationship with the band and kind of some background on it later. Um, but first, kind of instead of a uh, current event, because not that much happened in music or not that much happened in music that I really find uh, that interesting this week. Um, I thought that we could talk about the Lana Del Rey album, Chemtrails Over the Country Club, because between the three of us, we kind of have our own different relationships with it. Blake, I remember saying that he kind of liked it. I thought it was kind of a snooze fest. Keaton listened to it once and and um, has his opinions. But yeah, you guys, like I, I dove back into this and I at first I thought it was a snooze fest. And now I think it's kind of good. Um, oh cool what changed for you (laughs) well I I went back and I listened to Lana Del Rey and I really like picked out like okay this is why I like Lana Del Rey and I listened to some of the songs off of her first album um, Born to Die and then the other one that went with it Paradise and I figured like I love the grimy grainy production mixed with her like apathetic yet really impressive vocals and good songwriting and I have in my notes here like no one was really making songs like video games or Diet Mountain Dew or radio at the time like in 2012 then I went through and I listened to the stuff like 2013 to 2018 and it was just like oh she sounds like she doesn't care the production sounds like it's way overproduced like it sounds way too clean for her style and the songwriting was meh. So then she puts out Norman fucking Rockwell and it's like, oh, she kind of like got back to the more stripped down uh, instrumentals that sound like her and the songwriting got better again. And she kind of started singing about the topics that she was singing about in the first album, um, more just like Americana, you know, myth-making, romanticizing, um, like her life and her experiences. And then um, Kim Chills Over the Country Club, the first time I've listened to it, I was like, oh man, so boring. And then I realized, oh, maybe I just didn't give it a fair shot. Some of it sounds really good and some of it still kind of sounds like meh. But like, what did you guys think about it after I just rambled that long? Blake, you said that you liked it. So let's go with you and then um, Keaton, we'll get, we'll get your opinion on it as well. Yeah, okay. Um, I liked it because of like the same reasons I like the other Lana Del Rey, Rey albums is there's this common thread that she's trying to really dissect like aspects of what it means to be American, right? And I think on this album, she takes like a Midwest affect and digs into some of like the, the 
like the obvious like um romantic ass like things about the midwest so like the you know like the country club and how quaint things are and connected people are but then also looks at like some of the other problems that happen in uh, the midwest so like abuse and you know racism and other things and so i think I think what I really like about this album is the storytelling and how simple it is. Um, and it also dives into like a more optimistic view in contradiction to like the pessimistic, almost realistic view from NFR. So that's why I like it with that album. Like I'm, I'm listening to them in the same moment. Um, and that's why I like that one. It's, it's a nice contrast yeah it is for sure keaton how did how did you feel about it on your one listen through my one listen through was very i was underwhelmed um but that's not necessarily a bad thing like i agree with you brendan that like her first her first two albums i mean they were a little bit wild but in a good way like they were very different than anything else out there and then she kind of like ultra the ultra violence through like um is that Honeymoon? Is that that album? Like, I just couldn't really get into those ones. Uh, they felt like kind of just, like you said, like lazy, like boring to me. And then she came out with Norman fucking Rockwell. And I was like, okay, we're back. Like, it's one of my all-time favorite albums. Um, and so I think like my hopes were just really high for this album. Like it was just coming off, off of that, like hot album again with Jack Antonoff here. And I think my expectations were just a lot higher. And so when I listened to it the first time through, you know, I wasn't picking out those like Midwest details. I think that's really cool. I was just listening to the music and it all kind of just muddled together to me. And I didn't really pick out like any songs that like really stood out. Whereas like the first listen through with NFR was like, was like, okay, like I loved The Greatest. I loved um, Happiness is a Butterfly. Like there was, you know, Mariner's Apartment Complex. There was these, these songs that just stuck out. And nothing did that for me here, but I'll give it a few more listens and I'm sure, I'm sure I'll like it in the end. Cause I'm a big Lana fan. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that you should give it, <clears throat> excuse me, another try because same thing with you. I listened to it once through and I was like, Oh yeah, this like literally melds together. I think that on dance till we die, it kind of actually has like a different more jazzy sound near the end, but like, I have written down here a huge problem I have with Lana is that her apathetic attitude only works on things that she actually like knows and I think that she's intelligent but when you sound like you don't even care about something that you like when you don't even care about something you don't know about and the production doesn't match it either it sounds like fucked up and lazy <laughs> and like I I read I read up on her and she's from like Lake Placid New York and went to Fordham so like some of the problems <laughs> I have is that like, yes, she's talking about Tulsa Jesus freaks, but it's like, do you know any Tulsa Jesus freaks? Like it's so, some of the songs are so good. Like White Dress, one of my all-time favorite Lana songs now, because like her falsetto is going up and down. Like I think that it's kind of a little bit more of a ballad that she actually can pull off. And that sounds more natural because it's not overproduced and it's not necessarily underproduced either. Like the piano goes with her voice and the guitar sounds really natural, but like 
on the list on the first listen through it's so hard because you're like do you even know what you're talking about Blake please take it away. yeah no no I was gonna say I could see that um but another way that I like to listen to this album is like through its influences so she really Lana Del Rey loves Tammy Wynette and so if you listen to like Stand By Your Man or some of the other Tammy Wynette songs and then you listen to this album it makes a ton of sense it's like that whole um dis- just difficulty of feminism in that era and then brought into this one that she's trying to channel those like it's in conversation with each other and so like if I listen to to um like White Dress I think that's definitely her most experimental song on the album which makes sense why you like it um but if you like look at Let Me Love You Like a Woman it's it's literally just a it's like a reincarnation of or stand by your man you know and so there's good yeah like it's almost like you have to listen to it from a different genre from her other albums mm-hmm. and, and, and in a similar way that like that's when i started liking taylor swift's two most recent albums is when i was like oh okay these aren't really you know but that was a difficult too i i don't need we don't need to go on a <laughs> off, off, off the beaten path with her but like i think i just think like there's an aspect of like that like in order to understand the music in a conversation just like listening to the other people in that conversation kind of makes it more um coherent and and keaton i know that you're a big t-swift fan um and i was watching a video or i was talking to someone i can't remember where i heard it but they brought up a good point that like taylor swift kind of got boring on lover because she like fell in love like there wasn't a lot of conflict going in her life going on in her life that sparked a lot of um creative imagination and then you get to like folklore and evermore and she starts writing about other people and it's a really smart move because it's like yeah where do I find the conflict in my life I'm literally like the biggest pop star ever and yes I have problems but like do people even care about those type of problems like I have one percent of problems, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. like, yes, I still I still can experience human emotion. I'm not a robot, but like true human interest lies in interesting storytelling. And we have known Taylor Swift's story for a long time. Yeah. And and touching on the the Jack Antonoff part, um, and maybe Keaton, you can take it from here. Like I love uh I, I definitely see the influences of Jack Antonoff on um, chemtrails um, and I think that they're very underplayed and uh, very like not over the top I'll say it doesn't sound like a bleachers album like it sounds really just like good um, and Keaton you said that that's why you kind of like Jack Antonoff right yeah I mean like I could go on, I could go off on Jack Antonoff. I love that guy. <laughs> um, I just think for better or worse, whether you like him or not, he's like pretty much defined what pop music is today. Um, and it's through that, like you can hear like, like Bleachers has a very distinct voice, but even before Bleachers, like you go back and listen to his first band, Still Train, and it's more rock, it's more punk rock than it is pop, but it's still, you hear those, those Jack Antonoff influences and then you go to fun and you hear the same thing but it's slightly different it sounds like fun this time and then you have bleachers and it's like full-on Jack Antonoff and then he starts writing with these other artists like Taylor Swift um, back in her 1989 days 
and you can pick out the songs on that album that he helped write like out of the woods like it sounds like a jack antonoff song you know and then so, so yeah that like that is what i like about him is like you know lord's the same way with with melodrama and you know all these artists that he's that he's worked with you can hear that influence and i do agree with you that it's downplayed on chemtrails which is maybe good i don't know yeah i think it sounds like how a Lana album should sound and i also thought he produced um the dixie chicks album gaslighter and that sounded like it or the, the chicks i'm so sorry i'm so sorry <laughs> um the chicks he did the the gaslighter album and it sounded like the chicks it didn't sound like uh like bleachers like yeah exactly that and it didn't even sound like lord or taylor swift the songwriting sounded like the chicks like the instrumentation sounded like the chicks would use it it was a really strong project um and maybe maybe that's a good place to uh to like transition into what we're currently listening to because because we were doing strange desire by bleachers i decided i would put on uh, a little bit more of an unknown Jack Antonoff project, um, Keaton, I'm sure you know, but Red Hearse, mm-hmm. um, kind of a fun little ditty. Um, I don't really know how to describe it other than it sounds a little bit more experimental than Bleachers, not as like 80s, not as many synths, um, a little bit more electronic, but um, that, that was what I was listening to this week i was also listening to a kurt vile song called dandelions and i wanted to shout it out because he has a line that i love and he says i'm not lying i'm just being a little exotic <laughs> and i love i love that line um keaton what have you been listening to like throughout quarantine and, and throughout the pandemic that maybe is like have you been finding newer stuff have you been returning to the hits like what have you been listening to lately I've been returning to the comfort jams. Um, I'm like a diehard Killers fan. Um, it was my first favorite like band that like I discovered. You know, it wasn't like an older brother's influence, and and I don't know if it's the pandemic or what. I return to them quite a bit, but I've been listening. They came out with their new album last year, um, imploding the Mirage, which I loved, and so I've been listening to that. And I've revisited uh, their first album, Hot Fuss, and Sam's Town quite a bit. Um, and then I'm still, I mean, I'm sure we can talk about this if you want, Blake, but I'm still on my uh, Taylor Swift kick, too, of Folklore and Evermore. I'm Which glad. I... Because, you know, you had like, um, I think it was Bronte on um, the show that talked about how like, I can't remember, well, maybe it wasn't her, I can't remember, but someone talked about like Evermore like spoke to them. And I feel like most people, you're either like folklore or evermore, and I'm much more a folklore guy. Maybe so. it was Dylan, Dylan Rossi, maybe. I can't remember. I, I was kind of, it's weird. The reason that I started Album Club was because folklore came out and everyone was talking about it. And I was like, oh, well, I just like want a group of people to talk about music with. But I never really dove into the album super hardcore. I just loved the conversation and the hype around it. And then Evermore came out and me and Jess made like a real event out of listening to it uh, the night that it came out. And it was only announced the day before, like it was a total surprise. Uh, Well, I guess maybe not a total surprise. I think some people kind of figured out 
she was doing it a uh, second time but like I don't know just some of the songs on Evermore just like hit a little different to me <laughs> um Blake what what have you been listening to have you been listening yeah. to Evermore <laughs> no I don't think I did listen to Evermore this week or even the last month I probably should though I need to give it another listen um that's fun I'm glad you mentioned the killers I also listened to Hot Fuss recently because it was I it's just one of my all-time favorite albums the way that they use like 80s pop on that and then they make it super accessible to like my little 2000s you know memory like that, at least that timeless at the same time though like exactly exactly like right and that's why I think it it fits is because it's it's just tackling some fun ideas and but um and that's funny you also mentioned Kurt Vile because I um heard this week Kurt Vile signed with a jazz record label and so I got super pumped and I went back and listened to some of my Kurt, favorite Kurt Vile songs from I actually went and pulled out my old mp3 because I couldn't figure out which songs I used to like from him and then I just pulled them out so that was really fun to listen to um but yeah that's what I that's that's the notable listens from this week. Kurt Vile is such an interesting, like, listen. Like, he, like that line I was talking about, like, who else would write that line but Kurt Vile? <laughs> like, his songs are almost nonsensical, but, like, in yeah. a very tasteful but, way. I have no idea how of describing yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it's like a dark, whimsical, like, there's, yeah. Yeah. yeah you just gotta listen you just gotta listen you just gotta listen and his voice is so funny too very nasally very like he's almost like spoken word at points like he's not even really singing i don't know but yeah and the war on drugs i don't i, I haven't listened enough to the, like differentiate the style between the war on drugs and just Kurt Vile, but i think that he's a very interesting musician and yes i want to see that jazz album i want to hear him croon yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think that this is a good place to transition into our discussion about today's topic. Um, like I mentioned before, we're talking about Strange Desire, the 2014 album from Bleachers, uh, frontman Jack Antonoff's kind of first project. I'm pretty sure first project after uh, leaving Fun period. And um, I was uh, kind of excited when Keaton said that he wanted to listen to this one because I honestly don't know if I've ever listened to this album all the way through. I've listened to the other one from 2017 um, and I'm blanking on the name. Gone Now? But Keaton, oh, is Gone Now? Yeah. Gone Now, yes. I always remember it because it has the Dreaming of Mickey Mantle song. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it has the song where he says, um, I had my hair short back then. That's a good song. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what the song that is. <laughs> but, good morning. Uh, yeah. Good morning. Yes, that is a great song. Um, Keaton, please uh, intro us into the um, album. Like, why did you pick it? What's your relationship with it? Um, like, any fun little tidbits you got on it? Just give us kind of an intro into the album, why you picked it. Take it away. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like there's, 
I was thinking about this today and I'm honestly probably because like I genuinely really do listen to your guys' show and I feel like there's going to be some callbacks to um, your very first episode with Jess because I feel like a lot of the reasons why she picked um, Pure Heroin, which is a phenomenal album, are kind of the same reasons why why Strange Desire stands out to me. Um, personally, like if I were to pick one of Bleacher's albums to revisit um, just for like my own personal enjoyment, I would pick Gone Now. Um, but I think Strange Desire holds a more like special place in my heart, as cheesy as that sounds. Um, I just think Jack Antonoff, uh, he writes from like a very personal experience and he's able to create songs that are, they might be experimental and, and their lyrics might be kind of weird, um, but the, just the vibe of them and the, the sound of them, he's able to tell stories, which I think is really cool. Um, and this whole album is, is very much about like his early life and kind of um, coming of age and coming to terms with, with who he is as a person and reconciling things that had happened in his past. And it came out in a very like influential time for me as well in that regard. So that's kind of why I picked it. Um, yeah. Yeah, he said that um, I, I went on the genius of this album and he said that like a lot happened to him between the years of like 2000 and 2003, like his sister died um 9-11 happened um his cousin or a different family member was killed in Iraq um serving in the military so yeah like and I think that he even might have had like a health scare maybe I don't know I would that's that's not confirmed but I would have to look that up again but yeah I totally get you because when I think about like oh if I was a uh not a host of the show but I was asked to come on the show and I had to pick an album like I would probably pick Bon Iver's self-titled album, even though I think that like his two latest albums, 22 a million and uh, I comma I, like I think that instrumentally and like lyrically those are, and like musically, those are more interesting albums than the self-titled one. But like, I have such a deep relationship with the self-titled one that, yeah, like you kind of just mm -hmm. like want to dig into it. Blake, uh, what, like, what came back to you on this listen like did you yeah did you like it when you came like when it came out like what were what are your initial thoughts um I wasn't aware when it came out um I was uh I don't know what I think I I didn't even realize the connection between Jack Antonoff and fun or Jack Antonoff and a lot of the pop music until the last few years when I was like oh there's his signatures embedded in all of this you know, and so I think I came to the scene late. But what I really appreciated about the album is the contrast between the lyrics and the sound on the album. So like the lyrics are all like telling some very depressing stories or making sense of just hard things that he's been through, right? Um, he talks, he channels a lot of the loss that he experienced with the, um, with the death of his sister when he's songwriting. Um, and, he, and then that's contrasted with like a really upbeat, like you want to dance, um, you know, pr production and mix. And so I think that's what's really interesting about him is he, he's often trying to model himself after Bruce Springsteen. And that's what, you know, the boss is kind of 
famous for is the the same kind of contradiction in his lyrics and sound um enough so that like people like don't understand the underlying criticism that bruce springsteen's putting in songs about specific political events or other things in the culture and so I wanted to go back. Um, that's what I was most excited about is anytime I listen to an album, like, oh, I want to go back to that. That's exciting because I know there are probably some similar things that he's criticizing or contemplating in the lyrics that I just missed because I was dancing, you know? <laughs> like there was a good, to kind of sum it up, like there was this good quote from him in a magazine. I think it was a Rolling Stone interview where um, his his goal is to like, write a song that one person's like having a fun time dancing to and then another person is like weeping in the corner too because they're both getting different things <laughs> and you can do that because it's it's kind of interesting and complicated in that way yeah and that's kind of his thing like he's pretty open about that like when he writes music he writes it sad like he writes it from like a really emotional perspective and you can hear it with like on gone now there's a uh the I think it was the main single called Don't Take the Money. Um, that's a really poppy, upbeat song. But then there's a stripped back version on they have a, an unplugged album on Spotify and it, uh, Lord guest stars in it as well. And it's like, it's a lot, it's, it's just the piano and it's kind of how he originally wrote it. And it's a lot more moving, I guess. So yeah, I really like that. Yeah, I love, I love that MTV unplugged album or performance it's like it draws from both albums i'm pretty sure but so that's yeah. a if anyone is a uh, a bleachers fan and you've not heard of that you're you're an interesting bleachers fan and you should listen to that <laughs> um yeah and i like the i like the comparison to springsteen i think in um, like a thematic sense because i have in my notes here like a lot of this album sounds like it should be in a John Hughes movie and Keaton you described it as a coming of age mm -hmm. um, album and I, I I really like that because it does yeah it sounds like someone coming into their own and like a John Hughes movie that is like basically all it is. <laughs> is uh... I think he said that I think he said that like he's influenced by the by that area by Breakfast Club. John Hughes movies but that's where bleachers come from too is it's like a darker yeah side it's like the kids in the bleachers in the in oh the my music. gosh <laughs> the <laughs> connection there. yeah bleachers like just the image of a high school bleacher is very like 80s americana um you know pure motifs that's that's um good good connection fellas well done the, the lot of us um <laughs> Blake, you're a big John Hughes fan, and I know that you love Coming of Age. So, like, what were some of the uh, tracks that, like, stood out to you in terms of, like, like, uh, and we can just, like, go straight into tracks, and then we can go into, like, specific lyrics and stuff like that. But, like, yeah. Wild Heart is such a good opening track yes. for me because yeah, it, me um, it just opens everything up into the world that you're going to be listening to for the next 50, 60 minutes. So what did you like about Wild Heart? Yeah, I love. Um, I I am. I do like a John Hughes. I actually got a a record. It was a vinyl of Pretty in Pink when I was in high school, and I like so I listened to. And that's what I thought of when I heard when I heard this that that um song because it, it opens the same way a John Hughes movie does, where it's like a mysterious like 
kind of upbeat person is on screen and we're like oh that's the per that's the protagonist that's going to be going through something you know and going to transform and so um from that like the wild heart album or the wild heart song kind of introduces this this idea of like love and loss and kind of the dance between the two um and i think that's kind of the a big theme that kind of spreads through that whole album which makes sense because that's also all coming of age movies are like it's just those two right 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 um yeah i loved wild at heart roller coaster really fun song um i like the keys i like the echoey vocals um keaton what are some of the what are some songs like that stand out or that have stood out to you like for as long as you've been listening to this record off the first part of the album like i i had never really listened to um wake me but i think that that's a really good underrated song yeah wake me wake me is my favorite song from the album um but i love like for me it's the those middle tracks right there four or five or uh it's i think it's the fourth fifth and sixth one i'm looking at my spotify right now um you got i want to get better and then it goes into wake me and reckless love and i love each of those songs individually but i also love the way they they play on the album um like with i want to get better like that's one of those classic super upbeat like screaming at parts uh song that is actually really kind of serious and really uh you know it's dealing with with the concept of like like wanting to get better you know like as dumb as that sounds like like you're in a dark place like like you want to get out of it like there's all these things that are pulling you down and and we just as humans we naturally want to get better um even if that's maybe a pipe dream and then after that song's over we move to wake me which is really it kind of just really slows down and i feel like i like to live in in, in that space there um, and then Reckless Love continues that. And I don't really know, like, I don't have specific reasons for why I like those songs, uh, Wake Me and Reckless Love. I just, they just speak to me. I don't know. They just they made me feel something, you know? Yeah. Well, like, Roller Coaster, for me, I'm looking at the lyrics, um, or not Roller Coaster, I'm sorry, I want to get better. Um, the I think that uh, Jank Antonoff, and we can start talking about this now. We talked about it in the pre-show. He's not that great of a singer. And yeah. um, I think that he is a, like you've seen him perform live and, and you can definitely talk about that. But like he, I don't know if his strength lays, like lies in his vocals. Like it's his songwriting, it's his production, it's his uh, musical ability. But in the, in the song here, he says, in a blaze of fear, I put a helmet on a helmet, counting seconds through the night, and I got carried away. Um, if you have anxiety or if you know someone with anxiety, like he, like, um, like overthinking things and overanalyzing things, like putting a helmet on a helmet, like such a redundant activity um, and counting seconds through the night, like that is like what anxiety is like for me personally. Like I think that he captured it really well yeah. in like, you get so consumed with the minutia of life that it makes it basically like unable to enjoy anything because that's all you're thinking about. And I, I really appreciated that. Um, and, uh, and you said that you don't really know why you like, like reckless love or, um, or wake me. 
but like I think that it for me it lays in his production so like some of the like he uses a lot of vocal samples mm-hmm. um like taking a a recording of someone's voice and distorting it and then using it like a beat or like a like a percussion hit I really like that he uses that pretty commonly with bleachers um and then uh I have here a common thing with this album that I like um, bits and pieces like the keyboard hook in this song um, that's for reckless love, but the other aspects of the song, um, some of them kind of fall flat, like his vocals. Like, I don't know if he always does the best job of like getting his point across and that's why he works so well with people like Lord and Taylor Swift and these pop stars. Um, any any other tracks that we that stood out blake um i just rambled for a while so you want to take it (laughs) sure um i also liked who i want you to love um and i think i mean i think part of why i like that one is because there's this like it kind of resonates with this larger theme in, in any of the coming of age films or just that whole genre whether it's music or movies but what happens is in the beginning of the film you have two you have a person that's two-faced essentially they have their real self their true authenticity on the authentic inner child but they're also like going through this socialization in school that puts those two things in contradiction and so I think that song is kind of in conversation with that tension in the in the literature or the whatever you're watching or listening. And so I, I think it also got this idea in my mind that like, um, I don't think the album concludes with finding the wholeness, which is often the end of a coming of age movie, like where you find like the, the whole self that you can be both the things by holding the tension together. You can be both the, like the nerd and the, girl that gets a boyfriend like in breakfast club or you can you know like um and so I maybe I missed that on the album but it seems like there's still a suspended two selves and maybe I'm just kind of connecting that to the contradiction on like this the sound of the albums and the contradiction with the lyrics um but I just didn't see that kind of resolution which is good because I think a lot of times people don't find that kind of wholeness until much later when they find meaning in life and make more better relationships that aren't just rooted in necessity like in high school so I get that and and he is young like I definitely don't expect him to find the meaning of life in one album (laughs) like I, I don't even know if he was 30 when he did this album I think he might be 30 now I'd have to check on that but right he was oh he was he was born what in 84 84 oh he this came out in 2014 so he would have been 30 oh okay. shoot well still yeah. that's pretty young to find the meaning well of, of yeah the and, I mean, coming and the album and the album came out when he was like leaving or in the process of touring with fun right it was his side show it was his side like project that he wasn't really letting anyone outside of his extended family know about and so, like, to me, that's why it, the themes are resonating is because he's living two, two lives, like, in, in actually yeah. creating the album. So, yeah. yeah. 
Keaton, you said that he's a really good performer. I've never seen him live. I've never seen Bleachers live. That is, um, I think it's easy to talk about like uh, anything that he does is like singularly Jack Antonoff. And I, I definitely don't want to discredit whoever is else is involved with Bleachers. But like when you saw them, like what made it such a good show or like what connected it to you? Um. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing about Bleachers is that it is, like, it's Jack Antonoff's thing. Like, it's a solo project. Nope, never mind. But he does bring in, like, he does have, I think, people who, like... He has touring musicians, because he can't play every musician or every um, instrument. And I think what, like, resonated with seeing him live was kind of what we've been hitting at with, like, yeah, he may not be the best singer, but, like, he writes songs in a way that that just it's like the vibe just speaks to you and it tells the story that he's trying to tell honestly without without lyrics and some people can can you know feel different emotions from it and seeing that live is I just I can't explain it it's you know like it's all like the saxophone player is there you know and he's getting solos and I don't know like it's just there's something magic about his shows He's also, it could be somewhat biased because I know every artist says this, but he said it in like interviews and stuff that Salt Lake City is his favorite place to perform. Um, I think it was Larry King. He was in an interview with there with Larry King and he was doing like rap, rapid fire questions and he was like favorite city to, to tour in and without like missing a beat, Salt Lake City, Utah. <laughs> and so I definitely saw him like in a place that he loves. And so like that could be it. I don't know. There's just something about well, here's his a th- production value that translates really well live. Yeah, and and on the Salt Lake City thing, here's a here's a here's a theory I have. No one, relatively speaking, no one comes to Salt Lake. So whenever people here get a concert from someone they actually like, they go bananas because they don't know the next time they're gonna get it back. When I saw Bon Iver in, <laughs> in 2019, I was the happiest, one of the happiest days of my life because it was like, oh, I had the chance to see him in like 2011, tickets sold out really quick. I didn't get the opportunity. It took him eight years to come back. Yes, I'm going to love every minute and I'm going to sing along. And a Bon Iver show in, a, in the Maverick Center is way different than a bleacher show in the complex or wherever it may have been but it's like yeah when people come to utah utahns are always like well i may never see you again so i'm gonna dance my little heart out and sing all of your songs because i want you to come back you know what i mean yeah and it's probably all of it mixed together right like i've seen him twice and both times were awesome um but the first time was in the galvin center downtown which is just a cool venue because it's outside you're surrounded by the city um also I met him that day like earlier in the city like out on the street I just ran into him on a corner and so like I think there was just a lot of elements at play that like it was just an awesome show like it was just the best show alive so when whenever we hear that someone has met a famous person on this podcast, we usually ask, uh, "Do you talk to them or do you not talk to them?" Um, so I did talk to him, but it was kind of forced because 
I mean, I could have walked right by, but that would have, I don't know. I couldn't have done that, but I was crossing the street and he was at the other end waiting to cross the other way. And so I literally like ran into him and like made eye contact. And so I was like, hi. Hey, I'm going to meet your Love show you later. Your show tonight. <laughs> I, I, think was that way, I was way awkward, but he was a really nice guy. Very short. Very yeah, I think that. I think that that's acceptable. My thing with celebrities or musicians is like the only reason I'd ever talk to them is to tell them, oh, I love your work. Like I would never, I don't know if I would ever ask for a picture or if I would like, I would never ask for an autograph. I don't even know like why, (laughs) like to me, it's just not valuable. Like, I don't know. I don't need proof to tell other people like that I met someone like that. So it's like, Oh, like getting a picture is sometimes funny, but with with uh, the very few celebrities I've ever seen in the in the wild, it's like, oh, you know, just let them be. And if I and like yeah, like if I saw Justin Vernon, uh, the guy from Bon Iver, just walking down the street, I would probably tell him like I love your music, but that yeah. would be like it. You know what I mean? And that's how this. <laughs> yeah. was. I didn't get a picture. I didn't get an autograph. It was very short and and sweet. And that's I that's how I want it. So. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm waiting for somebody on coming on the show and talk to like they'll sing to the person like they they'll sing their favorite song their favorite song to the person on the road or something you know like there's I know there are people out there like that that are that like right. in your face but yeah maybe in our friend group are. they'll emerge <laughs> <laughs> maybe one of our friends will come on the show and talk about it um well I think that this is probably a good place to um, to hit on some closing thoughts on Strange Desire. Um, why do we think it's called Strange Desire? Do you think it's just like, oh, the human experience is kind of strange when you look at it, but like we're all kind of like opining after the same things, like uh, a great love interest or like a hero's journey or like like meaning in life, like just the the human experience is so strange but like everyone kind of pulls towards the same things like i i really liked this album i like i said his vocals meh his production and songwriting like really really good and he takes on the john hughes like aesthetic very well um but any other closing thoughts before we uh before we move on to our one big recommendation (laughs) Um, I do have some closing thoughts that I just wanted to, to, to say about one thing that I really love about Bleachers. And I definitely please, don't, please. Like, don't want to like shoehorn this in, but... Um, no, do it. But it's one of the things that I really appreciate is that um, he writes in a very, like, one, it's the coming of age stuff, but also he writes in a really um, gender non-specific way. And as a gay person, like, I love that. Like, I love being able to relate to these songs. And I think that's one reason why it really stands out to me is that, you know, I can relate to all of these songs that without feeling like it's not really written from my perspective. Yes, and it's I accessible. Really, yes, I really appreciate that because a lot of the big pop uh, artists out there you know, like Taylor Swift, who I love, and, and Lana Del Rey, they're very gender specific. They're writing from a very, like, like from them being women, singing about men. Yeah. And I appreciate that Jack Antonoff, who is straight, um, 
can write from a really personal space, but allow, allow it to be accessible to everyone. That's something that I really appreciate. And one of the things I think I really like about him, so. Yeah, and, and thank you for sharing because as a straight person, I do, I like try to notice those types of things, but I haven't noticed that before you said it. But now that you say it, like I totally, I totally notice that. Like, yeah, he doesn't use a lot of like he or she's <laughs> in his songwriting. And I think that like accessibility is a big part of art. Like it's totally up to the to the uh, artists if they choose to do so. But yeah, I do think that that's really cool. Yeah, Blake. And I think, like he's just he's a big like LGBTQ advocate. I mean, he did the oh yeah yeah love Simon, which is the quintessential like gay coming of age. <laughs> movie, so that, that is a good movie. I'll say yeah. this isn't my recommendation, but that is a good movie. Yeah, so. I liked that movie. So I think it's just him as a human. Like there's no like social pressure or anything. Like it comes off really natural and I, I like that. So mm. which is nice because it makes the it makes his advocacy like believable if he's actually imbuing it into his work, you know, like the fruits of his of his labors. <laughs> it's through and through um supportive. Yeah. And so I appreciate that. Um I don't know. I I think my last thought is like I, I think of the the songs the the album's title strange desire almost as a separate like strange and desire like i didn't read as a sentence you know like that's what that's the feeling that i got from that from the sounds mixed with the lyrics is like the strange feeling of like i'm missing something you know and then i go read it and i'm like oh yep that's that's it and then like the desire is the same kind of thing in there it's like the anytime you're coming to terms with your desires it's just a strange process of and it's filled with tension you know and that's why like it fits so well in these in this storyline is because it's that's that that's where you start to understand and and give names and labels to those tensions is when you're coming of age and so it fits it makes sense to me yeah i also sorry brendan i completely ignored your question there about that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's okay but I do yeah. like I also wonder if it's it comes across to me that it's might just be personal too like like this is something that like like Bleachers is like his solo like act and I think it's something he really wanted to do for a long time um you know it's a desire that he had and and I think it was also kind of a strange project that he was writing these songs in his hotel rooms while touring with fun and so I think it's kind of a mix of like what you said Blake um but then also just like a really personal like almost autobiographical like this was a really strange desire that he had for a long time so i don't know just speculation but (laughs) nice (laughs) yeah i i like that because yeah from his point of view it kind of would be a strange desire to just like make a project almost solo have it very aesthetically tied to like a time period um and like style of music in america like it sounds like an 80s pop album at times like a synth laden like something that you would have listened to in the 80s like i can't describe it in many ways other than that and that's definitely not a knock like we've talked about pop music a lot on this show and i think that we're appreciators and it's good but uh yeah really really good album um I think that it's almost timeless because when I'm like, oh, this came out in 2014, 
it doesn't sound like everything else from 2014 and i can appreciate that so with that we move into the final stage of our show our one big recommendation for the week um blake do you want to go first this week sure and then I'd love to. we can have we can have keaton and then me absolutely um great so i just finished watching this hulu documentary um called sasquatch and uh, i know brendan's halfway through so i'll have to leave off a few of the uh <laughs> just specific plots but it's just this documentary about a um about the monsters among us um and it takes place in northern california where this guy in his youth like he was you know in his mid-20s heard this bizarre story of the of, of um murders outside of his town just in one night and so you know he became an investigative journalist since then but then he goes back to this story that's always puzzled puzzled him and tries to find out like what the context was um and so the 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 context of this documentary is in the 60s or sorry the 70s the 80s and the 90s um when a lot of dope growers were in california um still are and um, they developed this culture in this in the you know northern California um, that like that also overlaps with like the legends of Sasquatch, and so it's a really interesting um, documentary that looks at the mysticism and all the folklore that we create about the monsters that like that we live with or that we see, and like what what's real and what's not, and so it's a fun. It's a fun thing to think about. Yeah, it's really good true crime. I've watched the first episode um, and I would recommend it based off of that as well. <laughs> um, Keaton, your time? It's now on my list. I'll, I'll watch it. Um, yeah, so I was thinking about the one thing that I just want to say is um, in relation to last week's episode with Sierra is I want to tell people to support local artists because I'm an artist, I'm a graphic designer. I don't have a company like Femme Decal. I think it's that her business is awesome and, and booming, but um, you know, I've just been, you know, filling a lot of like walking around like places like TJ Maxx and Hobby Lobby and places that I see all this really generic or possibly even like stolen artwork <laughs> from local artists. And it kind of makes me mad. So just support your, your friends that that make and sell art and commission things because that stuff takes a lot of time and it's more meaningful when it comes from from people in your community and, and in your in your social bubble so that's my recommendation um and then also uh on a bleachers note go listen to one of their newer singles chinatown um which features bruce springsteen so since he they're compared so much go listen to that comes full circle yeah i love that support your local artists um and keaton i want to give you a shout out um after we do our recommendations because i do i do like your graphic design i think that people should follow your account um yeah no people you should be if you have artist friends you should be commissioning them for their work like don't be looking for a discount like if you have a friend who's a photographer like don't look for the for the hookup like pay them for their work because like 
everyone deserves dignity in their labor and just because you're their friend doesn't make their labor any less valuable so um a local i'll I'll, this isn't my official recommendation but um if you're in salt lake around the ninth ninth district um salt and honey market very cool kind of like boutique shop um that's where i buy like all of my gifts for people they um it's basically like a storefront where people can sell their crafts and like homemade goods um all the stuff is really high quality i'm like i said i buy all of my gifts there like and they're all local artists from utah um some of them have really interesting stories so you should be buying art don't give money to tj maxx at this time like like there are people that could probably use that money more than tj maxx um but my, and no knocks on TJ Maxx, no knocks on anything, just buy local. Um, my recommendation is the, uh, the musician Alex G. Um, he he kind of goes by two names, Alex G. I've also seen it like Alex G parentheses Sandy, but he's a really interesting artist um, in terms of like his musicality and his songwriting. Um, he put out an album in 2019 called House of Sugar that I really liked. If I had to put him in a genre, it would be like slow core alternative, like kind of distorted alternative music. That's the best way I can put it. But it's really good, pretty acoustic guitar heavy. Um, he has a really cool interview with the New York Times that if you look up like Alex D New York Times, you can find. But he's super DIY, super cool. Listen. And I like his older stuff too. So go listen to Alex G. And with nice. that, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah. I wanted to give a shout out to Keaton. He's a great graphic designer. Keaton, do you do like commissioned work or do you like run any freelance stuff um, like for businesses? Like, do you design logos? Like, tell us, tell us about your graphic designing. <laughs> yeah, I don't really uh, right now, just because I, I have a full time job. But it's something that I'm working on. Um, I'm I'm working on starting a little, just like a little small like Etsy shop type thing um, to sell some of my work. Um, I've had some people reach out about specific projects that they'd like to buy, so I think that that might be a good resource. Um, I do photography as well, so sell some of that stuff. And then, um, I am open to commissions. I'm not actively seeking them, but I'm not opposed (laughs) to out and doing logos and and branding and stuff. And how can people find your work? What is your, um, Instagram? Uh, yeah. So Keaton Howell design. Yeah. It's Keaton dot or Keaton Howell dot design. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't post a ton on there. I need to get better at that, but, uh, I'm active on it. So you can message me. No, Keaton's work is sick. And I think that people, you should go and listen to it and I'll, I'll include it in the notes of the show. (laughs) Uh, Just so people get the spelling right. But yeah, no, people should be, you should be supporting local artists and like, if they're a friend, like, yeah, pay them for what they do. Like, would you expect anyone to like ask for a, you know, a discount for what you do? No. So Honestly, I, I, I like feel like you, you should be paying like more for your friends. I know. <laughs> they're your friends, right? Like support them. Yeah. 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 Build community. That's what, that's what we're about. <laughs> yes. 
building communities blake and i have a strong passion for communities and supporting local artists builds a stronger community well fellas this has been really fun um keaton i'm super glad that we got the chance to talk to you um and talk about an album that we yep. all like a lot and uh talk about lana del rey and uh, <laughs> I can I can tell that we're all um, Tulsa Jesus freaks after our conversation. <laughs> Hell yeah! So, so um, with that, we um, we we leave you with our twelfth episode. This has been really fun. Um, we'll be back with another episode next week, I guess. <laughs> we just keep doing them and doing them. Um, we're turning. We we're really turning. Yeah. yeah, at some point we're going to have to have friends back on, which I'm not opposed or we'll get, to. I think it's we'll get friends fun. of friends eventually too. <laughs> yeah, no. One, I kind of want to see if we can get like some musicians on here. That would be fun. Oh, that'd so, be a game changer. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. But um, this has been episode 12 of Talking About Music with Friends. Keaton, thanks so much for being on. Yeah, thanks, Keaton. For having me. Yep. Yeah, and we will see y'all. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Any chance to talk about Jack Antonoff. That's right. Okay. See you guys next week. Bye bye.